Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. They actually consider us gods. But then, who can blame them? was the Wasteland Whalers with the introduction to the Fallout Equestria animated series. Hey there, friends. I'm Nuclear Yuki, and welcome, once again, to a nuclear reading show. Today, we're continuing on with Fallout Equestria by KCAT. Oh, also, if you're enjoying what I'm bringing to this cold, dark wasteland, don't be afraid to tell your friends about me. It's a big help. Oh, and a bit of a disclaimer, since the gangs can be a bit feisty. Fallout is owned by Bethesda, and Hasbro made My Little Pony Friendship as Magic. With all that said and done, welcome, friends, to the Wasteland. Chapter 7. 
velvet remedy. Her. She was still as beautiful as the first time I saw her. It had been the birthday party for the Overmare's daughter. Velvet Remedy had come in to sing her a stunning revision of the happy birthday song. I'd been painfully jealous of the filly for weeks afterwards. Actually, she was even more gorgeous than the last time I saw her. I'd followed her out into this wasteland. To see her now, against this backdrop of rusted metal, old hardwood, bloodstains and liqueur, her song so clear and majestic through the din of lowlifes, made her breathtaking in comparison. My heart fluttered like a butterfly trapped in a jar. Part of me wanted to run to her. Part of me, small but insistent, wanted me to be furious with her, to blame her for getting me involved. It didn't matter that the only pony who forced me out of that stable door was me. My eyes flickered back to the guards making their rounds. Even if they weren't looking in my direction, in moments they wouldn't be able to miss me. Staying there would have been a death sentence. So I scooted back silently and retreated the way I came. This threw a new wrinkle into the plan. Now, getting Velvet Remedy out of captivity was my highest priority. Not to suggest the other ponies in those cages were any less important to me, but something personal had been added to the situation. In my head, I entertained the thought of how happy she would be to see me. The moment I stepped outside, I knew I was in trouble. Multiple slavers, lantern poles strapped to their backs, were standing about the corpse of that flamethrower bastard I'd put down. The wake of my activities was not going unnoticed or ignored. Four of the ponies, these most lightly armed, turned and ran towards the huge central barn. I pressed myself against the wall. The alarm was about to go up. A single gunshot rang throughout the storm, and the lead pony dropped from two bullet wounds. Two of the three runners skidded to a muddy stop and dove for cover, trying to spot their attacker. The third kept running. He nearly made it to the barn, close enough that the barn door was splattered with red when Calamity took him down. Most of the four more heavily armoured slavers spotted Calamity on that last dive and began firing in his direction. But he was fast. The lighting was bad, and I had not been impressed by the aim of the slavers yet tonight. I was pleased and utterly unsurprised when the hail of assault rifle ammo thrown in Calamity's general direction missed my companion entirely. But now, these four were working in a group, moving towards the barn while covering each other, denying Calamity any safe vector of approach. Moving quickly, I raced down the catwalk towards one of the old, half-collapsed wooden buildings surrounding the mega barn, combat shotgun reloaded and ready. It was locked. I spilled several bobby pins and almost fumbled the screwdriver in my haste. The lock was stubborn and tricky, and every failure was making me more jumpy. I desperately wished I had another mental, preferably of the part-time variety. The bobby pin broke. Behind me, the noises from the central barn changed drastically. The singing stopped, and the drunken hollers were replaced by authoritative shouts. Pulling out another bobby pin, I tried again. I could hear the barn door swing open, ponicidal slavers tearing out into the storm, cries for blood and rape and death, and it struck me like a blow to my gut that such vitriol was directed towards me. If these slavers caught me, I'd only wish I was a dead pony. The door's lock finally gave. Without a second to lose, I dove inside. Four rapid shots with the combat shotgun and the three slaver guards inside who had been gambling at a table covered in bottle caps and cigarette butts, 
they all went down before they had time to react to my presence. It only hit me a moment later that I had opened fire based solely on what they looked like, what they were wearing, and that they were armed in a place like this. Had I not just done, in essence, what Calamity did when he opened fire upon me? Only I'd murdered these two, and even in retrospect had no reason to believe my admittedly fear-fueled instincts had been wrong. One of the dead ponies had a pair of manacles as a cutie mark, and the other had the keys to both the front door and the cage that took up two-thirds of the room. My eyes widened at what I saw before me. This was not like the cages in the Ponyville library. There were no prisoners behind these bars. Instead, there were weapons and boxes of ammo, some stacked on top of more boxes of ammo. I'd broken into the armory. Two thoughts raced through my mind, each right on the heels of the other. i just hit the jackpot, and this was probably right where most of the slavers were heading first. Swiftly, I turned and locked the door, then began to barricade it. Not too heavily, as trapping myself in here was not going to save any pony least of all myself. But it would at least give me time. Time to loot and consider my next move. In filing cabinets, the table and the metal desk should do. Bottle caps and gaming chits slid to the floor in chaos as I upended the table and placed it against the door. I levitated the filing cabinet against it to hold it in place. Then the desk was wrapped with a magical glow identical to that of my horn and I swung it around. The desk, I noticed, had a glowing terminal. Time allowing, it might be worth it to see what it had to say. First, however, was improving my armament. Seven ammo boxes, half of them locked. Two gun cabinets and a weapons locker, also locked later. I was less like a pony and more like a walking arsenal. There were dozens of weapons, but most in such crappy condition that I was only able to salvage three useful ones out of them, including a needler pistol. The repair assist spell of my pit buck allowing me to swiftly tear down the worst of the weapons for the best of their parts. The weapons locker contained two battle saddles, both far too heavy for me to bother with. I now had ammo for everything but Little Macintosh, including weapons I'd never seen before, such as spark packs designed for recharging magical energy weapons, and three missiles. It disturbed me greatly that the slavers had a small stockpile of missiles, particularly since neither of the battle saddles were built for them. But, by far, the biggest prize in the lot has neither been a weapon nor ammo, but a set of schematics for creating the homemade gun that would fire poisoned needles. It would be silent, crippling, and I was pretty sure that I'd seen most of the parts required back in absolutely everything. The slavers took a little time figuring out I'd barricaded myself in their armory. If that gave them pause, however, they didn't show it. Relocking the door had been a useless effort, since the first pony to the armory had her own set of keys. The table, cabinet and desk were proving far more worthwhile, and by the time I had finished repairing the weapons I was taking, they had finally ceased bucking their hooves at the door. I had no doubt they were waiting outside in quiet ambush. That gave me a little more time. I used it to take a look at the terminal. I almost took no time to hack it. The password was terminal. I was unimpressed. The first entry was ancient, dating back several years before the apocalypse. The others were all within the last few months. Entry 1. Had a surprise inspection from the Ministry of Morale yesterday. We pretty well knew it was coming, and I'd been given instructions on what to do. But I couldn't believe how smoothly it went. We slip them a small percentage of the special product, and they give us clean marks. 
even if they were dirty, I couldn't understand why they wouldn't bring that cage down on us and impound us all for it themselves. Seemed too good to be true. So I did a little digging, and a friend of a friend working over at Ironshot, who claims to have an inside peak, gave me this apple to chew on. According to him, the head mayor of the MOM herself loathes new contraband laws. And since MOM enforces those laws, that means that all sorts of tasty zebra treats are slipping into Equestria right under the princess's nose. I figure this means that as long as she says golden delicious, we're golden delicious. And even if the princess suspects her, and how dense would she have to be not to, she really is the one pony of the MOM can't bring up on sedition charges. Entry two. Finally wipe the crap from this terminal. 300 plus documents that I have absolutely no use for, and many of which is probably best there's no record of. All except that one damn far from forever ago with the weird ass flag on it that prevents tampering. Trust me, I've tried. Don't even know why we bother keeping record of where we send the goods, since they're all going down the same damn place anyway. I don't know what the hell Stern needs all these slaves for, but unless she's building an army, whatever it has, one hellish raid of attrition. Boss is more worried about the attrition raid in transit. A third of these fuckers don't even make the journey. And Stern ain't paying us none for corpses. I'm supposed to figure out a way to keep the damn goods alive at least until after caps exchange hooves. Maybe a cocktail of drugs will help. Found a false floor last week reading into a buried boxcar just full of the stuff. Entry three. I finally convinced the boss that we need to start a little side business in the full market. The young ones are easier to control, control and train. Sure, we have to play up the investment angle, since they can't do the work of a normal slave, but there are plenty of ponies out there who see the potential. Unfortunately, Stern ain't one of them. The bitch has no patience. Turns out, a mixture of buck and dash in small doses does mighty well at keeping the more worthless slaves from keeling over before they make Philadelphia. What happens to them after Stern gets her hooves on them ain't none of my concern. Still, got to talk to Whipcrack about getting a bit easier on them, though. No drug cocktail is going to prevent a pony from being lashed to death. Might suggest swapping out which slaves are pulling the wagons a bit more often, too. Entry four. The cells in Old Sheriff Station have been perfect for fall holding. The settlers of Appaloosa might have constructed a lot of this place with an eye to speed overlastingness, but they sure know how to make a holding pen. I'd even say the cells in there are close to a second list of stuff I'm glad they left behind when they all kicked the bucket, next to that apple pie recipe. Turns out, gathering foals has made hitting isolated homesteads a much better risk. The parent folk have the tendency to get annoyingly shooty when we come to claim them. But they also take such great pains to keep their little ones out of the fight that even if we have to kill off all the adults, we still make a good profit. Entry five. What a fucking cock-up. A whole shipment, two wagons worth, slaughtered. Best we can figure, they ran into a stray hellhound. Damn taint fucks everything up. Now I hear that Stern's sending a special representative to take a look-see at our operation. Sounds more like she's planning on taking over. I think she's in for a face-buck surprise, and this special representative best watch her tail. Good new herd of foals ready for breaking. Raked in the caps with the last batch. Another 
benefit of dealing in foals. You only have to kill one of them in front of the others to get the fight out of them. Entry six. The last week has been beyond words. Stern was playing it close to her chest with that special representative business. I never had any idea. Let's just say I was shaking in my shodding when our new boss heard about some of the stuff I'd been saying back when we didn't know her. But I guess it's easy to be understanding when you're connected to the divine. Besides, we have to say what's left of this old boss as a reminder that the new boss's hooves ain't soft. The new acquisition is going to do wonders for keeping the slaves up. Good thing, too, since the new boss stole cotton to the bush and dash trick. Fortunately, I was able to convince her that was Applecore's idea. Poor Applecore. Never saw it coming. All hail the living goddess. By the time I was done reading, I could have set the town on fire with the heat of my seething. Mentally, I was adding the foal cages to my objectives list, where it fought with Velvet Remedy for first place. Emotionally, I was seething. I didn't want to be hidden away in a barricaded room anymore. I wanted to go out there and hurt some fucking evil ponies. Sometimes, the wasteland listens to what you want and gives it to you with all four hooves. I had barely backed away from the terminal, stomping around as angrily as I tried to gather enough focus to move the desk, when my barricade exploded inwards with fury and shrapnel. Blood and agony burst from my body as I was thrown back against the wall. My head slammed into the armoury cage and, for a moment, I lost consciousness. The slavers had launched a missile at the door. Trembling with shock and pain, I greedily gulped down another healing potion. Already my wounds were closing. Calamity held my left foreleg in place so the gash that nearly severed it could do its work. The wound was beyond ugly. Even with the potions, I would be lame until a real medical pony could treat it. Candy seemed horribly far away, and that was assuming even she had the skills. Fortunately, Calamity calmed me. A missile-launching battle saddle takes some effort to aim correctly, meaning that any pony short of a true expert with the things would be planting herself for each launch, and that made her an easy target. Almost too easy for a shot like Calamity. When I could stand again, although still wobbly, I hastily filled Calamity in on what I had discovered. He gave me an appraising look as I danced around saying anything about velvet that would lay bare my heart then, thankfully, trotted back to take a quick peek at the battle saddles. Neither, he declared at a glance, were sufficiently similar to his own to even raid for spare parts. We didn't dare spend any further time in the armoury. The slavers would be back any moment. We decided to split up. I would look for Velvet while he hightailed it to the sheriff's office, where he would scout out the place and hopefully take out any guards. I would meet him there soon to unlock the cages but until then he could rally the foals, or at least give them hope and the first friendly company since being captured. Slipping out, we parted ways and slid out into the storm. The slavers missed us by seconds. I quickly slid the boxcar door shut behind me. Outside the bright rectangle of light, I had opened shrank and vanished back into the darkness. She was here. It's about time. Her tail was to me as she faced a wall with three yellow boxes arranged so their butterflies were in a triangular pattern. I can't do any good sitting in here. She turned to glance towards me and stopped. Now she slowly turned towards me, 
staring. Oh no. For the last half hour, fantasies had played through my head, imagining the expression on her face when I found her. The surprise, the joy. This wasn't either. Oh, oh dear. Her eyes travelled from my face to my stable two utility barding. Still quite recognisable, even with Ditsy Doo's improvements, to the pit buck on my foreleg. Velvet Remedy looked shocked and sad. What are you doing here? she asked with a breath. I stood tall. I followed you out of the stable, came across the equestrian wastelands to find you. I'm here to rescue you. I gave her my best winning smile, then worrying about what I might have sounded like. I added meekly, I'm not stalking you. Are you now? She shook her head and pranced round almost as if distraught. I tried so hard to keep any pony from following me. This is not what I wanted at all. She looked at me again, and this time I could tell she was seeing the wounds and the weapons. You're the one out there shooting up everything. You are, aren't you? Wait, why was I suddenly feeling like I'd done something wrong? Uh, yes. Like I said, I'm here to rescue you. Rescue? Little Pip. Oh my gosh, she remembered my name. I'm not a prisoner. I'm here of my own volition. What? What? You're here with slavers? I couldn't tell which was breaking faster, my head or my heart. You're working with slavers. She stared at me, her voice cool. And you're cutting a bloody swathe through them. How many ponies are dead because of you tonight, little Pip? They're slavers! I was breathing hard, seeing red. And how about the people they support? This is a town, little Pip. There are merchants and tavern owners and work ponies here. Have you killed any of them? Are you sure? No, I, I haven't. I'm sure. Well, unless some of the townsfolk wear slaver armour and carry slaver guns and were shooting at me. And the slaves? Do you think they can kill slaver ponies and they won't retaliate? Do you think they wouldn't take it out upon helpless ponies just to make an example? Not if we rescue them all first, I thought savagely. But instead of arguing further, I forced myself to be calm. This was Velvet Remedy. I'd give her a chance to explain herself. In even a tone as I could muster. Why? Velvet Remedy's voice never raised, nor wavered. I was near shouting, and she was keeping her poise. It made me want to scream even more. When I left the stable, after leaving a message to keep any pony from following me, she gave me a pointed look. I came across a band of ponies who had been set upon by a horrific beast. There was only one survivor, badly wounded, missing a leg. So of course I galloped to his aid. Did you know that I'd always wanted to be a medical pony? I bound his wounds and carried him back to his camp. It was a slaver camp, and there were several ponies there who were in severe need of aid, particularly amongst the captives. Velvet Remedy looked around the boxcar which I'd begun to realise was not her cell, but her room. I've been with them ever since. I just stared. But you're helping slavers! Velvet Remedy turned away from me, staring at her wall of yellow medical boxes with the little pink butterflies.
casually, as if talking about the weather. Cloudy, with a chance of rain, gunfire, and bloody dismemberment. She told me, I read in a book once, back when I was about your age, that when Fluttershy, the mayor of the Ministry of Peace herself, stepped onto a battlefield, she insisted that her healer ponies tend to everyone wounded on the battlefield. Everyone. Pony, zebra, to her it didn't matter. She turned a level gaze towards me and slowly asked, How could I do any less? It's different. Oh? She challenged. How? Because these are slavers who are killing people and selling others into slavery and death, even foals. And the zebras were just... The zebras just wiped out our cities. I stomped at the ground. Okay, maybe I didn't have any logical reason why this was different, but it felt different. Look, I tried reasonably. These slaver ponies, when you save one of them, you're making it possible for them to hurt and kill other ponies. Destroy lives. The slaves you heal, they're being sold into horrible work that ends up killing them. The slavers are just using you so these poor ponies survive the trip into hell. Velvet Remedy looked pained. You think I don't know that? But what else can I do? I'm just one pony, and I will not do nothing. Would you just have me trot away from the suffering ponies because they have the misfortune of being captives of slavers? Now, finally, I felt the ground reassert itself beneath my hooves. You can help me rescue them. She chuckled sadly, shaking her head. Rescue them? The two of us? Against all those slavers? She looked me over. Not that I don't doubt your resolve, or your firepower, but we would be horribly outgunned. I felt myself grinning. I'm not alone. We have support. And he's a Pegasus. Her resistance was crumbling, but still she shook her head. Even if we did, then what? Did you also bring food enough for the slaves? Water? We are many days trot from the nearest friendly settlement, and many of the poor ponies I have been tending are in no condition to make such a trip. Some of them are foals. Her gaze travelled to my lame leg, and her eyes widened. Oh dear! She pointed a forehoof, and it doesn't look like you're in any condition to either. If we had a few hours, I could tend to that, but... She sat back, her voice full of regret. Oh, I admire your bravery and sacrifice, but little Pip, did you really think this through? Of course I thought it through. I stammered, a little crossly and mostly honestly. I have a train. Oh, her eyes widened with surprise, and for the first time her voice was hopeful rather than hurting. That might work. Calamity stood guard atop the sheriff's office as Velvet Remedy and I made our way to the cells inside. Nearly half a dozen colts and fillies, reeking of filth and sorrow, looked up at our approach. Their eyes fearful. That fear softened as they saw Velvet Remedy, and she smiled gently at them in return. I have good news, little ponies, she said softly hesitating with a grimace before stepping over the headless bulk of one of the guards. Calamity had cleared the way. We're all going on a train ride. I was ready to look at the first lock of the slaver cage. I glanced over, admiring how she was with the foals, nuzzling them through the bars. She had been, I could tell, 
the one good thing in their bleak, awful lives here. My eyes slid down to her flanks, noticing with amusement, not for the first time, that she had two medical boxes strapped to her sides as saddlebags, only now realising that the scarlet and golden streaks in her hair and tail had suggestive similarity to the yellow and pink that I now associated with the Ministry of Peace. Also, why didn't I think of that? Those metal boxes would provide better protection and added armour for the flanks as well. The tumblers slid into place, and I pulled open the cage. The little ponies inside looked at me with mixed expressions. Joy, hope, and a fearful reluctance to latch either into their hearts. We got incoming! Calamity's voice broke through the sounds of the rain. Whoa, little Pip, we got trouble. Big trouble. Velvet's remedy shot me a worried expression, like the hope I had built up in her was shattering. Moving deftly, I snuck up to the nearest window and looked out. Two ponies were striding up towards the sheriff's office, clopping through the small river that the street used to be. A third watched over them from the top of a boxcar, then leapt down to walk between them. The two on either side wore heavy battle saddles, but it was the figure in between that caught my attention. She was tall, her body exuding a graceful malice and strength that I had not imagined in a pony. In truth, she hardly looked like a pony at all. From her hooves to the long spiral horn on her head to her wings? A winged unicorn? Awestruck, I drew upon the only figures like this in my memory. Celestia? Luna? The voice of the mysterious dark mare carried majestically through the torrent. We will give you just one chance to come out. Do so, or we will bring the whole building down upon your ears. My mind reeled. I felt my hooves stepping forwards, pulling me towards the door, but I stopped as I locked onto the one thing my heart insisted to be true. Neither Goddess Celestia nor Goddess Luna would support such horrible ponies. Whoever this creature was, she did not deserve my reverence. My atheistic friend on the roof had a moment of pause. With a yee and a haw, Calamity dived towards the enemy trio, firing. <laughs> Four bullets struck home and the pony to the left of the not-a-goddess fell with a splash blood washing over the strange mare's hooves and down the river that was Main Street. The strange mare responded with a whinnying laugh that had no gentleness of soul. Such, Such impudence. impudence! I gasped as the mare's horn glowed a sickly green and a blast of lightning ripped from its tip, <laughs> slamming into Calamity's chest, throwing him back through the sky. Calamity! I focused desperately my own horn glowing. Calamity was spiralling down, unconscious, and I barely caught him in time, holding him hovering over the minefield that surrounded the slave pens. His eyes blinked open, then widened with terror as he saw the mines below him, his hooves thrashing in panic as he tried to backpedal through the air. Oh, now isn't that touching? The mare turned towards the slaver pony, still flanking her as I glided Calamity to safety. Kill, Kill her. The slaver pony trotted forward, the many barrels of his battle saddle pointed at the age and weather-weakened wooden structure. Behind me, I heard Velvet Remedy telling the foals, Lay flat, all of you, as low as you can. I turned to see her waving her horn at the cells, and I marvelled as a weak, shielding glow wrapped about them.
Only, belatedly, did I realize Velvet Remedy had not thought to place herself within the spell of protection she wove around the children. The roar of the slaver's battle saddle was nothing like the thunder of the other guns, but akin to the fury of a dragon. Bullets tore at the side of the building, a great many punching through, perforating the front of the sheriff's office. I dove to the floor behind a metal desk, feeling bullets slice the air just behind me, then ring against metal as they tried to murder the desk. I heard Velvet Remedy cry out. I heard her fall. The roar paused, as if the battle saddle needed to catch its breath. Jumping up from my position, four hooves on bullet-riddled desk, I stared out the window and focused. The glow of my horn matched the glow around one, two, three, four of the mines. I pulled them from the mud and carried them towards our enemies as the minigunner reloaded. The strange mare saw what I was doing, throwing up a wing and enveloping herself with sickly green field of energy a much brighter and stronger version of Remedy's protection spell. The slaver pony had turned towards the floating mines the moment they started beeping. He backed up, eyes wide. <laughs> the strange mare's shield was wetted with blood and organs. The spell had barely flickered at the force of the onslaught, but it had flickered. That was almost impressive, she drolled. But now playtime is over. I wasn't paying attention. My eyes were only for Velvet Remedy, who lay in a widening pool of blood. Three of the bullets had struck her, one only grazing, but two sunk deep into her belly. As quickly as I could, I opened one of her medical boxes and pulled out a roll of medical bandages. The door of the sheriff's office ripped off its hinges and went sailing into the darkness. Go ahead! She taunted. Throw your best spell. No spell came, for I had none to throw at her. Oh! <laughs> she laughed as if she had somehow read my mind. No spells? Well, aren't you just a pathetic excuse for a unicorn? I finished binding Velvet as best I could. She stirred, moaning in pain. My heart jumped. And here we are, hoping that the great assassin who decided to assault our town would at least provide us with a challenge. We have been so utterly bored. I focused, and my horn began to glow. Telekinesis, again? Such a false game. She was trotting closer but stopped several yards from the steps. For the trouble you have caused us, and worse, for wasting our time with your patheticness. First, we will kill your friends. Then, we will have them chopped up into a nice stew, which we will feed to you. My horn glowed brighter, and I was beginning to sweat with the effort. No. We instead will feed them to the foals and make you watch. The glow of my horn flared, a bright overglow enveloping it. I began to tremble with exertion. Still not impressed. The strange mare's voice was glorious and impossibly jaded. 
The light of my horn was pouring out of the doorway and through the bullet holes of the building, and she couldn't have cared less. What is this? Levitating all the little ponies away? You can't send them far enough that we won't catch them. Or maybe you are trying to levitate every gun in the armory. Even if you could, this shield around us will stop any bullets. A second overglow erupted from my horn, enveloping the first. I screamed as the energies burned through me. The strange mare looked from one side to the other, turned in place to see if there was anything behind her, but noticed nothing but running water and darkness, even up, but still saw nothing. Oh, enough of this! She turned back to me. You're right, I said, stepping feebly into the doorway the effort draining such energy from me that I feared I would pass out at any moment. I am small, weak, pathetic. My crippled leg was wobbling so hard it made my teeth chatter. My eyes teared from the pain. I kept my head low, horn to the ground, almost looking worshipful. I am a sad excuse of a unicorn with no spells but the false cantor of levitation. Without raising my horn, I looked into her eyes. This close, my light bathed her. I could see that she was not actually black, but dark forest green in coat, with a mane streaked in green and purple. But I've gotten really good at it. Again, the mare looked around casually, trying to guess what I was up to. But I could see just a touch of apprehension in her bored expression. Well, maybe you are not worthless after all. Give yourself to us. Join us in unity. Become something greater than this wretched thing you are now. A third layer of overglow erupted from my horn. The light was blinding. My lame leg gave out agonizingly and I dropped to one knee. No! Rearing back with disgust. The mayor demanded. What are you doing? I heard Calamity chuckle nearby. Keeping you for cast in a shadow. What? The mayor looked down, then up a second time. This time seeing the much softer glow coming from above the sheriff's office. A moment later, the silently gliding boxcar drifted over the roof and stopped above her. Her eyes went wide with comprehension as I let it go. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. The massive waves splashing out from the impact bowled me over getting into my nostrils and lungs. I coughed, gasping. I tried to get back to my hooves, but exhaustion smothered me and I passed out. Footnotes. Level up. New perk. Organizer. You are efficient at arranging your inventory in general. This makes it much easier to carry that little extra you've always needed. Items with a total weight of two or less are considered to weigh half as much for you. Wowee! That was one fucking doozy of a fight! Pip's lucky to have survived an encounter with one of those damn alicorn ponies. Their magic is to be reckoned with people. I do hope that velvet lass is alright too. Makes sweet music, that filly, and ain't exactly hard on the eye. Hey, pastel, fuck off! Anyway, we've got um, the Wasteland Whalers with Step Around. Wait a second, I thought Velvet wrote that tune. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.